Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Up the Coast with Alex and Britt. We are officially on episode four of our podcast. And you know what they say, time flies when you are having fun. So let's get into it. Um, We are here to update you on all things happening with ACC across the country. And right now we are heading into ACC conference play. So Britt, how did you feel as an athlete when you were heading into conference? You know, it is like the meat of the season. This is what you prepared for all year. One of your goals is going to win the conference championship, right? You want to be the conference champion. And these preseason tournaments, you see different teams, different pitchers every day, you're playing two games a day. And now you get one game a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You get to make adjustments. I love winning games, but I love seeing people lose more. And to do that three times in a row, to have the opportunity to beat somebody three times in a row on three different days, you know, you just get so excited because those rivalries are there. Even if they're not the big name rivalries, you want to beat everybody in your conference. So it's super easy to get hyped for this, for the conference play. I agree. And you sound really edgy when you're saying that you're like, I love to win, but there's nothing I love more than beating people. I'm like, yeah. okay, <laughs> don't get on your bad side. Got it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kinda. So yeah, kind of right. Okay. Don't want to be there. So we're good. We're good. But So uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've seen so far. So right now, where it stands today, Duke is the only ACC team with only one loss. You've got UNC, Louisville, and Clemson behind them with two losses on the season, and then several other teams with three, some with more. But I I think right now, Britt, the question is, how good is the competition that some of these teams are really exposing themselves to? Yeah, you look at uh, Clemson, they've got a win over Oregon. Louisville's shut out Michigan. UNC beat UCF. These are all postseason schools. Michigan's got a national championship in their history. Oregon has been great for a long time. So uh, the ACC going against the Pac-12, the the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC showing good competition, winning good games. The scheduling's been good for these teams. They're having some good competition pre-ACC. So I like what I see. I I agree. And I think even the teams with three or more losses, some, like I don't think the win-loss column always dictates the level of of competition Mm -hmm. and games that they're playing and really how well some of them are playing, right? Like you've got Georgia Tech, for example. We've seen some high exposure to, I think it was like five or six top, you know, 15, 20 teams Mm -hmm. in a row that they were going to be playing. And Again, you're not always going to come out victorious in situations like that, but I think the exposure is huge. So Yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about those losses in two months. We're going to talk about what they learned from those losses and playing those big-time competitors when it comes down to the nitty-gritty in conference play. Absolutely. So let's get into a, a couple national notes and just broader scale views, if you will. So a, a by-the-numbers look, which I love this breakdown right now. Uh, quick note that these numbers – most of them are uh, last updated on February 22nd, which is right before last weekend's games. Takes a little time to put, you know, a lot of stats across the country into the database. But heading into last weekend, you had UNC as the number four team in the country in batting average. They were hitting 412. Britt, what do you what are you feeling about your Tar Heels right now? You know, I love it. New coaching staff, new hitting coach. um, And I love how they do it. They're not like everybody else in the country, just living on the long ball, scoring a bunch of runs, but they've got a lot of speed. They can put the ball in play. They find gaps. They're putting pressure on defense. They can play small ball. They find ways on base. They've got almost every hitter could be a triple threat for UNC and their batting average is showing it. 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun to, to watch right now, too. So then you've got Duke, number nine in the country, in lowest ERA, coming in at 1.02. Obviously led in the circle by Jayla Wright, Cassidy Curd, a phenomenal young lefty for the Blue Devils. Marissa Young doing some really good things for Duke. And do you have anything about them? Yeah, I think Marissa Young is a phenomenal pitching coach. And just because she's a head coach, I don't know if she gets her dues of how good she is with the pitchers in this day and age with the home runs and the elevated batting averages and the technology and the analytics to have a pitching staff at this time, having a 1.02 ERA, I don't care who you're playing. That is an amazing statistic. Yeah, agree. Agree. The hitters are elite and we're seeing that across the country. So keeping that offensive run production to a minimum is definitely saying a lot about Coach Young. So then you've got Duke, Virginia, and UNC all coming in in the top 15 for best fielding percentage across the country. Yeah, defense. Everybody says defense wins championships. I like to say defense gets you to a championship, then offense will win it for you. But you got to get there first, right? If you want to win a championship and having great defense, Duke, Virginia, UNC showing a great job. No, just playing clean softball. And I Mm -hmm. love watching clean softball, not giving extra at bats, not giving extra pitches, not giving extra base runners or outs. It's it's good to see ACC leading the way and fielding percentage. Absolutely. And Britt, I think your ongoing slogan on several episodes and conversations that we've had offline have been that offense wins championships and defense secures it. So if you don't trademark that, I will. (laughs) And I want in on it. So yeah, let's make some t-shirts, Alex. It's going <laughs> to okay. catch on. I'm trying to make fetch a thing. You know, Mean Girls uh, fetch. Yeah. This, is my, this is my fetch. <laughs> oh my God. Too funny. Too funny. So then you've got my favorite stat across the country right now. Georgia Tech coming in, leading the country. And this one is the most updated number because we have a great SID, Anthony Brandt, that got to share some mm-hmm. numbers and updates with us. Georgia Tech coming in at 34 home runs right now. That is number one in the nation for the long ball. Yeah, I don't I think this is one of the most surprising stats as far into season is for Georgia Tech to be leading the country with 34 home runs. We're used to seeing them play station to station, manufacturing runs, but they are swinging it. And we got to have a, a conversation with Coach Morales. You can check it on our next episode or interview with her about their mindset at the plate. And it's just so refreshing, the freedom she gives her hitters. You know, miss big, that's okay, but still swing big. Make those big adjustments. You can hear her break it down when we talk to her, but it's paying off. 34 home runs and does, what, 17 games? Come on now. Georgia Tech Legit. swing the bat. Too legit to quit. So now we're going to get into a quick rundown of the different ACC teams across the country. We're going to go sort of in order with the first several teams being kind of in our projection of those rankings right now. So we've got Duke coming in in that number one spot in the conference. Um, Mentioned it earlier, only have one loss so far on the year. But Duke bats, often stays hot. Continuing the slugfest is Duke. They played Michigan State last week, Britt, and beat them 22-0, so that's insane. Yeah, we were just talking about them being top of the country in ERA, but they hit 14 runs. They scored 14 runs in the bottom of the third in a 22-0 routing of Michigan State, and they have four different players that have hit five grand slams on the season. So not only do they have pitching – they can swing it. They and they get runners on. Like you can't hit grand slams without getting runners on. So it's a yeah. full team effort. And then you have that one player, and for them, it's four different players stepping up with the bases loaded. So they can hit, they can pitch. I love Duke. They are looking 
like a legit team right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that Duke is really just that complete team right now. And I think they're the best complete team in the conference. And I think that's why we have them as, you know, number one. I think that that's why they're coming in in that top slot right now um, in those conference rankings. And and that's because, again, you're led by Jalen Wright in the circle, Cassidy Curd. You've got that 1.02 ERA. So, again, the staff as a whole is doing really good things. But the offense is so powerful. They can run Mm -hmm. the base as well. But they are hitting the long ball. But they're really good at situations, too. So, really, Duke is that total team threat. Um, and just really performing. So that takes us right into Clemson, coming in in, in that number two spot. Um, Valerie Cagle, of course, Millie Thompson in the circle, both phenomenal for the Tigers. But right now, Clemson, I think, is just overall getting their groove back. Yeah, I think with a veteran coach like uh, Rittman, he's going to put people in different situations, put them in difficult places, see who can perform. I was really interested to see how they would go against Charlotte in their midweek, got that win. They went against Ole Miss twice, a run roll. Then they played UConn, and they had to walk it off. Um, They played a close game, and I think having those close game experiences going into conference play is really important for teams. Um, They actually had three walk-offs this week. Uh, Two of them were run rolls, though. Alex, do you count? I know technically it's a a walk-off. Do you count a run roll walk-off as a walk-off as a player? Like, were you like, yeah, I walked off? Uh, no, I would never say no. that for, for a run rule. Um, but are we going to get back on our run rule saga that we got on last week? Like our soapbox or like, are we, are we moving on right now? I'm just kidding. We're moving on. We're moving on. I know it's considered a walk off. No, I'm just kidding. No, I I, but I agree. But also again, look at, look at baseball, right? If I were to go to any baseball player and I would say, Hey, I hit a walk off. They, they would 1000% go to, oh, it was a tied game and you yeah, hit right. the ball. Like you hit either the long ball, like a home run to win the game, or you hit an RBI to drive in the winning run. You never are like, oh, I hit a walk off and it was what secured our eight to zero victory. Like, right. no, that's not no. like where their head goes. I'm sorry. I hate to right. play the comparison game, but it, it's relevant. So, right. But it's still good for Clemson, right? They, they yes. got two run roll walk offs and an actual close game walk off. So you'll take the walk offs anyway. You can get them just because Always. I don't, I don't consider them it's a win for Clemson and they're looking good I think they're putting things together and they've got Georgia midweek very excited about that matchup very very excited something that I'm looking forward to great scheduling by coach Ripman don't miss that game agree and I think that Clemson's another team right now that's coming in looking really good in all components of the game I think Mm -hmm. pitching obviously they're very solid in the circle we know that right they're seasoned veterans at this point there but their offense is looking really good and they're swinging it really well. So defense, offense, you've got the base runners again, um, just things really going in motion for the Tigers. And I think that's good to see. So headed into Florida State, we've been a little shaky about my Knowles, you know, and, and that's been hard for me. But Florida State had a good weekend. They won the games that they should be winning. So mm-hmm. Florida State offense continues to execute. Pitching is still a bit in question. What do you have? You know, every time I'm watching Florida State, I feel like they come out of the gate a little slow. They're always having to come from behind. Their offense is always having to come back and punch back. I want to see Florida State punch first. I want to see their pitchers come out, put a zero up in the first two innings. I want to see them come out and make a statement right out of the gate. And I haven't seen that so far. And I think as we get further into the season and better competition and three-game series, when hitters are seeing the same pitcher more than once – that you've got to come out early in the games, make a statement, and really put teams in the position that they have to come back and fight against you instead of constantly having to fight back as 
as coming from behind, which I feel like Florida State's been doing a lot. But uh, I think mm-hmm. their pitchers have the best leader they could have with Coach, uh, Coach Lonnie leading them. Um, we always see Florida State develop from the beginning of the season to the end. So I'm excited to see what they can do in the circle and see how they can come out of the gate swinging. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I have like a note written down for the next time I'm in Tallahassee covering games, which is actually Duke weekend here in a couple of weeks. I'm fired up about that. Yeah. That'll so be, that'd be great. Yeah. Right. When I'm kind of having like chalk talk with coach, uh, I just want to ask her about the pitching staff. Cause I, I just feel like historically, like I, I kind of started thinking like years back. Right. And when I was there, we had Lacey Waldrop and then we had Megan King and then we had Kat Sandercock and we had a lot of other people. Jessica Burroughs being my best friend as one of them. Right. But when I think of those three in Waldrop and Megan King and Sander, I think of down ball pitchers. And I think this is the first year that the Florida State pitching staff hasn't had a dominant pitcher that's down in the zone primarily. And I think that's what could be maybe just the difference right now. I'm not going to say the missing piece, but the difference because you've got Allison Royalty and you've got McKenna Reed, which are both more up in the zone or east to west pitchers. So, you know, I think that's a phenomenal point you bring up and, and so many things went through my head is it the development of these pitchers whereas when they were younger they saw the up in the zone high velo pitchers that were having success and so their pitching coaches and their coaches and their mentality was hey let's throw it as hard as we can let's get the yep. swing and misses up in the zone whereas the hitters have evolved to that and now they're able to catch up to the velo we've got the technology we're laying off the rise ball so I think getting the down in the zone pitch is That'll be a great question to ask, Coach. I am excited to hear what you say, yeah. what she says, because in the past, mm-hmm. like last year when they made it a national championship game, it was all about feeding the defense ground balls, feed yeah. the defense, let's feed the defense. And that's not the mentality that I'm seeing as an outsider, what's going on in the circle. So keep us posted on that. I will. I will. I feel like I'm onto something, but I, yeah, I think so off. too. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm excited. So I'm just going to ask the question, right? No, there you no go. Foul. But so on to Virginia Tech, Emma Lemley, she's looking pretty good in the circle, right? And I know that she's somebody that you've enjoyed covering the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think she's done a great job from her freshman year coming from uh, the number two behind Keely Richard to becoming the number one and having to adjust her pitching style. And, you know, she looked really good against their win against Georgia. Her rise ball was biting. Her velocity looks good. She looks confident in the circle. One thing to know is she doesn't have, she's not wearing a mask anymore. She's got those cool Ooh. glasses, man. If I was a player, I, I wear contacts, but I would still wear those glasses. I think they look cool. <laughs> I love them. I think that yeah, to give her an like, yeah. I don't know, but like Rachel Garcia wore them mm-hmm. at, at UCLA and Deja's wearing, Molipola is wearing them in pro ball, but it gives her a little extra edge. I don't know. That's just this, that's off topic, but sorry. But no, she looked great. Uh, the one Love thing it. that I think got her in trouble is she would get ahead of hitters 0-2, like get them in a hole, but just couldn't put the nail in. And then there was a couple of times 0-2 led into some walks. So mm-hmm. I think when she cleans that up, Lindley's going to be on point. Good stuff. Yeah. And I think one of the common topics for Virginia Tech is we've always, like the last several years, they've had a lot of just really good players, right? Really good athletes. And they've had a lot of potential. They hadn't had the ability to close out ball games, And that's mm-hmm. tough because it is, a, it's a skill, right? It's definitely something you have to learn through experience and trial and error, as painful as it can be sometimes. But we saw them play Georgia last week and that was, or I guess last weekend. And that's been a lot of fun to watch. They had a really good game against Georgia 
and really close the door, securing a top five victory, which that's huge because Georgia has been swinging it. So for Limley and then the combined win by Lindsey Grain, also in the circle big, you know, that, that's a really big moment and a really big win for the Hokies. Yeah, I think they have a lot to be proud of, of what they did down in Athens. Even though they dropped the second game, I think giving Georgia, who had been making a lot of noise on the national scale, their first loss, I mean, that's a ton of confidence for that team. And they're still swinging it. They live and die by that long ball. A lot of home runs. They're never out of a game. I love their fight. They get down. They fight back. They come from behind. I, I still like this Hokies team. Agree, agree. And then last note on Virginia Tech is Trinity Martin, pinch hitter Mm -hmm. opportunity, came in in a big moment, two RBI hit for Martin, and really putting and securing that victory for the Hokies, putting Virginia Tech in in a really good position there. So it's just so hard to come off the bench and do a job like that. So, all right, on to UNC. Nikki Harris in the circle looks great. Brett, what do you have on her? Yeah, just a true freshman. Uh, Just two starts on the season and then 13 Ks among those two starts. You don't see freshmen just adapting to the college level like she has. And I think that's really impressive. We haven't seen that for UNC since 2019, which to me feels like that should be last year. But that's actually, what, five years ago? Yeah, yeah, whatever. But um, Stop, you're making me feel old. (laughs) You stop. We're not going there. We're not going there. But they did have the loss to Lipscomb that shouldn't have happened. Um, They lost by a solo shot in the fifth inning. But I want to talk about their offense. And I Mm -hmm. talked about it the past two weeks is that their offense looks phenomenal with Coach Megan taking over and then uh, Corey Lyon, the hitting coach, did great things at Marshall, continuing them here. They – they only have 14 home runs on the season, but they've scored 101 runs. They have they're 54 for 59 stolen bases, and they're led by Alex Coleman, who's batting, check this, 619. Six, six one nine. <laughs> so Is over that's six, good. <laughs> yeah, Alex, your Florida State, you know, your your Hey, <laughs> do not do not say anything about my education, girl. <laughs> so so I just want to let you know that's good. So over six out of ten times she's getting on base, but after that. She's 14 out of 15 on stolen bases. So she gets on, just make it a double, right? And they have six yeah. players hitting over 400, three players hitting over 500. Are they playing the best competition right now? Not necessarily, but I'm this close to being sold on them. I am mm-hmm. very close to being sold on North Carolina. Not quite there yet. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, I agree. And at a minimum, I think we would both say that the Tar Heels are really fun to watch right now. So excited yeah. to see what they continue to do the next couple of weeks. Georgia Tech. So what do you have on Georgia Tech? They're, they're a fun one for, I think, both of us to cover right now. Yeah, I think they're our surprise this season. Last mm-hmm. season, finished below 500. The season before, they made postseason. But last season, out of the postseason, didn't make a regional. They come out, they're leading the country in home runs with 34. Uh, they're just swinging the bats and just watching them swing at the plate, their approach. They're confident. They're aggressive. Mm-hmm. They're taking big hacks. And when talking to... Coach Eileen Morales, I mean, it's just a different mindset for them. And it's very obvious when you're watching them. I I really like what they're doing. Um, They're not just playing station to station, trying to manufacture runs. They're up there swinging the bats, and they've got some good depth in the circle. I think Georgia Tech could be our dark horse this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely like that 
whole rundown of them. And I think it's really cool to see people like Mallory Black. And I know her name's been mentioned just a couple of times with some ACC stuff, right? Because she's killing it. And somebody that's coming into her senior year didn't have as much success or really anything near what she's having now, just absolutely putting up phenomenal numbers. And you love to see athletes like that have been you know, go through trial and tribulation and failure and things like that, and then reach these just impeccable numbers. And it really is just a testament to the body of work and all of the effort, energy, time that they're putting into really getting better at their craft. Yeah. And I just want to add to that, just to see a four-year player nowadays that have gone through, you know, not the most success their senior year, really turning it on and just sticking to the program, sticking to the plan, staying there. We don't see that a lot. And especially the transfer portal now, which, you know, if you have reasons to leave, you want to go do that, that's fine. But to see a four-year player actually develop under one head coach, I really Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, definitely not the norm, right, these days. So times are changing. Not a bad thing, but just different. So That's right. NC State, uh, new coach, Lindsay Lefkowitz. I love how you phrase this, Britt, when we're talking about NC State, is that they're sneaky quiet. Mm-hmm. And they're 12-3 and three on the year. So, Yeah, I think that's kind of surprising if anybody sees that because opening weekend they lost three games. Mm-hmm. And ever since then they haven't lost. So I think it's yeah. a they're, – they're, sne- they're just kind of waiting in the shadows like, hey, we're 12-3, and three. we're putting some things together, we're hitting, yeah. we're pitching, playing good defense. So I think they're a sneaky, quiet 12-3 and three on the season. So I think everybody else maybe should st- start taking a little bit of notice to NC State. Yeah, I think they're going to come in and just ruin some people's days. Yeah, and I hate have- to sound like that, but I am almost really excited to see it. So hopefully it's not anybody that is listening stays that get ruined, <laughs> but maybe it will be. So yeah, because they have, on a they, have, <laughs> they have nothing to prove, right? This is supposed Correct. to be their rebuilding year. It went through so Correct. much last year, new head coach. And then, hey, we're 12 and three. Watch out. Here we yeah. go, Wolfpack. Yeah. <laughs> so Louisville, I know that you had them kind of just as a top five or six contender um, when we were talking last week and, you know, I, I think Louisville has shown us some really good things on the field. They're obviously playing really well. Um, only a couple of losses so far in the year had a couple of games last week and get canceled. I think our question right now is how far can Zabala, who's been getting so many of the Cardinals innings, how far can she take them? And I think that depth is going to be a challenge. No, you're, you're right on Zabala. She didn't throw against their upset loss to Furman, but she got seven innings complete game against Coastal, got the win against Bowling Green. Without her, they're not doing great. You know, they, they show a lot of weakness when Zabala's not in the circle. So I think for Louisville to show some success and uh, make it further than last year, they've got to develop some pitchers to support Zabala because like we've said a million times is there's so much technology, so much film, mm-hmm. so much analytics. You just throw one pitcher at a, at a team, they're going to find a way eventually to make her pay. So I think the key for Louisville is to build around Zabala because she's great. Let me tell you yeah. what, she is a great pitcher and they've got good offense. So the key to, for me for Louisville is what else can they do pitching depth wise? Yeah. Britt, I just have to ask, and I, I've never asked this question like even personally, but tell me at, at home, you and T have to talk about pitching, right? And approach and how pitchers get developed and how important right now where the game is, like what a depth, like what depth in a pitching staff does. Come on. Yeah. I, 
Uh, more than I want to, actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I think the key is to have different types of pitchers. You know, you can have yeah. your high veal, high rise ball. You can have, you need, you need to have a change up. You've got all your pitchers. I don't care if they're a down ball pitcher, up ball pitcher, high veal. Everybody's got to have a change up. You can't, you can plan for up ball. You can plan for down ball, but it is so hard for teams to prepare for the off speed and that effective off speed. So I, I think that's what I've taken away from our dinner yeah. time chats is that a change up. If you want to find success, even if you're not the number one pitcher on the staff, get you, get you a damn change up, find mm-hmm. it, do it, yeah. change speeds because anybody can sit on fast stuff, but hitting's all about timing, disrupt that timing. You're going to find some success. Totally. Well, I want to join dinner one day. Come on down. Okay. I was like, maybe I'll make a trip. But yeah, I I mean, real quick, just to clarify for anybody who may not know, which I feel like they should, if they're listening, do you want to say who Taryn is? Taryn. Shall shall we give a brief bio? (laughs) Yeah. Taryn's my wife, two-time SB award winner, two-time national championship, pitching coach currently at Mississippi State who uh, had pitcher of the week in the SEC. So we got a lot of pitching talk coming on in in my household right now. So a lot of softball, but my focus right now, don't tell her, is ACC because we're we're rocking the SEC right now. I know. Please, please tell me that you rubbed some SEC victories in her face a little bit last week. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a, little. a little. I'm hoping bit. so. I'm hoping we had Virginia Tech. We but you have. Know, but you know what she does? Is she goes, what? hey, we beat Clemson. Oh, oh yeah. So she's got a, got a card on me. So All ACC, right. let's that go. Hurts. Come on. Yeah. Let's get Pick it together. up. Pick it up. Come on. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So now we're, we're going to move on to Boston College. Um, Boston College playing some pretty good softball right now, too. Playing some really close, low-scoring ball games, which hasn't necessarily been the norm given the amount of offense we're seeing across the country. So, Britt, what do you have on Boston College? Anything in particular? Yeah, they're they're outside the norm with these two one two run one run ball games, and they're finding a way to win, which I think will help in conference. And knowing how to win close ball games always helps you down the road, but they're led by Papillon and Dunning in the circle. I'm really impressed Mm -hmm. with their pitching staff right now. And we just talk about all the long balls and big hitters. They've only given up one home run as a pitching staff combined and 102 innings pitch. So I think they've got a good thing going on in the circle is, is their offense going to be able to support that? That's a great stat. I love that. And I agree. So that alone is not the norm. And we'll see how well they continue on with Boston College and the pitchers in the circle and all the success that they're seeing. So let's move on to Pittsburgh. They played Oklahoma State last week. They lost one to zero. But I think that holding such a great team like OSU to that score is really tough in general. And we know what Kenny Gajewski has done for the OSU program the last several years. He's put them totally on the map and definitely top 10, top five program, like continually. Right. And so for Pittsburgh to come out, who's not been a a top 10, top five program and and play that well, I think says a lot about their progress and just that forward momentum. Yeah. I think Pitt has got to walk away from that game, even though it's a loss with a ton of confidence. Mm -hmm. Romano in the circle, my goodness, she went six and two thirds, only gave up four hits. And the only run that, the cowgirl scored was a bases loaded walk. So yeah. to me, it's not like you even earned it. Like I, you didn't, you didn't hit, you didn't move runners over, you didn't hit a bomb, you didn't beat me. I messed up. 
right? Even if the strike, I don't know what the strike zone was like. We've seen some really tight strike zones this season. So I, as a pitcher, if I'm Romano, I'm like, you didn't beat me. I messed up. And that they went on to win, to lose to Oklahoma State one nothing. So I think there's a ton of confidence coming out of Pittsburgh right now. And, and rightfully so. That's a really good team that they let, that they only lost one nothing to. So I think Pitt has got to feel good about that. Agree. Right now is all about self-assessment and just seeing where we're at right against the best and how yep. good can we be when we're playing the best. So I yep. think that's all these teams are really looking for. So let's look at Virginia. Coach Harden, Joanna Harden, um, head coach for the Cavaliers, doing really good things with that Virginia squad. They're looking solid in the circle. Maddie Harris tied the Virginia career saves record with nine. So, Britt, what does that tell you? Obviously, she's complimented, though, by Eden Big in the circle. What do you feel and think about the pitching staff for Virginia? Yeah, I think uh, Coach Harden is a very analytical, pitching-minded head coach. Like, she's very good at managing staffs. And we see Maddie Harris tying the career saves at nine. She's going to be a good compliment to Bigum. I think Virginia is led by the right person. They have a couple new additions to their pitch, uh, their coaching staff. We're looking for Virginia to take that next step. And I think they're getting there slowly. But I think this year is going to tell us a lot. And I think Bingham with the 12 strikeouts to start a game is a good good stat to hang your hat on and good yeah. a good thing for Virginia to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. And for anyone listening, Britt said that perfectly correct. The, the first 12 hitters of the game were retired by a strikeout. And we were joking <laughs> when we were talking about it earlier. She said a career high for herself, 14 strikeouts in the game against Lehigh. But the first 12 batters, like if I'm a hitter on that team, I'm pissed. Right. And I'm I mean, sorry, but it's like, but the ball, do something. Somebody right. lean into one, like find a way on base. But I mean, think hey. about it. It's 12. That's one time through the lineup, nine hitters plus that's another four three. innings. <laughs> I know you're joking about my Florida State education, but that's <laughs> four freaking innings of somebody figure it out. Somebody made up for it. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take a lot of pride in that one. So. <laughs> but like, come on. I'm just saying, like, somebody make an adjustment. Trust me, I know Bigum's good. But I'm just saying, from a hitting perspective, like, fire me up. I'm pissed. Yeah, here we go. Here we so. go. Good on the Cavaliers, though. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Love to see that. So, yeah, obviously, right? Good for the ACC. Good for Virginia. But on to Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a good win last week. They played Utah. Got some revenge at the Mary Nutter Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they went in there. Um, they beat Utah. Uh, they lost to Utah in the first week of the season. So I love that kind of fight. Like, hey, you got something to prove. Let me come out. Beat them 7-1. to one. I mean, it was not a close game. They went out there and took care of business. Then they played a really good Baylor team. Baylor, I think, was ranked 22nd. But I think after this week, they're going to be much higher than that because they had a good performance. But Notre Dame um, really had a good game against them going into the seventh inning up by one run. And then the tying run scored on an error. And then the, Baylor ended up walking it off. But Notre Dame had four errors in that game. I think they cleaned that up. There's no doubt they win that ball game. Um, so to me, Notre Dame, it's just taking care of the things you can take care of. Control your controllables. Limit the errors. And Notre Dame's going to be something to talk about. Agree. And that Marinetta tournament is a really good one, too. It's sort of similar to that Clearwater feel. A lot of great talent and teams go to that event. Now you have Clearwater kind of on that East Coast feel and mm-hmm. just really closer in proximity. And then you've got Mary Nutter, still the West Coast vibe. I know I played in it as a player. I got to go to it um, after my college years. I played a game in it professionally, watched the event. A lot of fun. 
So what was your favorite part as a fan, Alex? Was it the competition or was it the, the, yeah. in, the, the indoor facility that you can see the windows out of all? What, 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 what was your favorite part? Yeah, the best part, <laughs> hands down. Anybody that's been to Marinetta as a fan, hear me out on this. And hopefully you agree. The Micheladas. Like, <laughs> the Micheladas at Mary Nutter are elite. They are, the competition is elite at the event, but the Micheladas are the best I've ever had. I, I think I maybe know. the West Coast can make it a little, Michelada a little maybe. bit better. And then the great maybe. competition around you. Right. Just make I, it I think it's just the vibe. It's the vibe. Yeah. It's the whole Everything's thing. good. It's, Everything's better there. Like if, if you, if I could have, anything be my perfect world, my perfect day, I'd be watching a softball game of great competition and teams drinking michelada. And so you can Mary, do that. Mary Nutter does that for yeah. me. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. got to go next year. We'll go next year. Yeah. Okay. Wait, what's your favorite part? Uh, the Mary Nutter puppers, because if you follow the Instagram, the first ever Mary Nutter pupper was my late golden retriever, Brooks. He's been to three Mary Nutters and Everybody brings their dogs, and there's great food, and there's great dogs, and it's there's just so micheladas, much micheladas, yeah. and then, and at some point, I think there's a softball game going on in the yeah. background. So That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's a great, great, great vibe, great environment. Dogs, dogs micheladas, and, micheladas and a little bit of softball. Let's go. You can't beat it. You nope. really can't beat it. But all right, on to Syracuse. So the Orange still a little rocky right now, but they're going to get there. They're, they're showing signs of brilliance, signs of improvement for sure. I think we would both agree on that one. So Syracuse was two and three on the weekend in Monroe, Louisiana. Jasso for the orange offense is doing a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's leading the offense. And I think Hendricks in the circle is leading the pitching mm-hmm. staff. My question is Syracuse, who's else is going to step up Hendricks yep. five and zero oh on the season. Rest of the pitching staff combined is three and six. So we've got to, we, you can't just pitch Hendricks every single game uh, moving forward. Hitters are too good. We've talked about that. So can uh, Syracuse find some depth at the plate, find some depth in the circle? We'll see. Uh, at least you've got some key pieces, right, to build from. You're, yeah. you're, you're going to get better if the people around you are that good. Yasso in the mm-hmm. plate is going to lead the way and be an example. Hendricks in the circle is going to be an example in the bullpen. So they've we're still early in the season, so they've got a lot of room to develop and grow. Agree, agree. A lot of good things ahead for the Orange. And we open ACC play officially this weekend. So we've got four different series going on. you got NC State at Clemson, Pittsburgh at Georgia Tech. you got Boston College at Virginia You've got Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. So ACC conference play, Bright. What was your favorite or just the hardest part about heading into conference? The hardest part heading into conference is as many adjustments as you're going to make, the other team is going to make those adjustments. And it's hard to beat somebody three times because they're going to work just as hard to beat you as you're working hard to beat them. It's going to be about who can counterpunch better, who can make the better adjustments and but it's the most fun part of the year, even yep. op- especially opening weekend. You know, going into postings is a lot of fun, but your opening weekend, this is what you work for. Let's get it going. It's a new season. You know, we had pre conference season, you talk about that season, and now we have conference season. So for four of these teams or four series this weekend, it's a brand new season and they're ready to get rolling. Everybody's 0 0 on the year, and let's fight it out. 
Agree. ACC play is going to be a lot of fun this year. Definitely tough. And I'm excited just to see all these teams go head to head. You're spot on, Britt. It's so hard to beat a team three times. Getting sweeps are definitely the anomaly. And I think that what's so hard is, like you said, the adjustments, right? Not only are you taking every bit of information that you can, but so is your opponent. And so really that Sunday game is that chess match of, hey, you've seen everything I've got. I've seen everything you've got. Who's going to make the adjustments the quickest Mm -hmm. and the best? And that team's going to win more often than not, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun. And then a couple other things going on this weekend. You've got Florida State out west in Oregon. They are playing the Ducks at Eugene or in Eugene. They're playing the Huskies. or They're playing Washington. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I think Florida State's home field advantage is one of the best in the country. So for them to go to the Pacific Northwest and play two top Pac-12 teams is going to be a good test for Florida State. And I think it's intentional by Coach to schedule these games. And I think we're going to learn a lot about the this team on how they play on the road against good competition. And I'm excited to see how they perform against Washington and Oregon. And I'm also excited about the midweek Clemson going or playing against Georgia. Georgia had the two games against Virginia Tech. Clemson, probably their best matchup of the year. So Clemson, Georgia, Florida State has Washington and Oregon. We've got some great softball this week. Uh, ACC starting. This is the meat of our season. Let's go. Let's go. Well, that's all we have for this week. Tune in next week as we recap week one of ACC conference play. We will give you everything that is hot and everything that is maybe not that (laughs) happened this past weekend or this upcoming weekend, which would be this past weekend on our next episode. But stay with us. And thanks for tuning in to episode four of Up the Coast with Alex and Brett.